Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hello. It's uh, been too long since we last spoke. Yeah, it's been a a minute. And, and, uh, you know, uh, how's it going? How you doing? It's good. I'm excited. We did it. Uh, This is the end of our four-year Olympic cycle. We started this at the start of the 2018 Olympics, just a little before the 2018 Olympics. And now here we are just under four years later for the Olympic trials. So it's kind of like we've gone through a quadrennial together doing the show. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. You're right. I remember our first recording was, uh, was previewing the Scotties. That's in right. 2017, 2018, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We, we had attended the 2017 trials, which were here in Ottawa, where we currently sit and that's kind of where we hatched the idea of what we wanted this uh, this little endeavor to be. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and uh, our love of curling propelled us to however many episodes we've done now. <laughs> uh, you know, as a lot of shows I listen to, podcasts, you know, they'll mark uh, occasions, uh, 100th episode, yeah. 500th episode, whatever. We never kept track, right? So we don't really even know how many episodes we've done. No, I, I stopped keeping track after like 13 or 14. And at some point in the summer, I think we had the 200th. Uh, it depends on how you count the episodes, uh, if you're being totally honest. So we're somewhere in the 200s, but I don't know exactly how many we've done. But it's, you know, it's been a lot. Cool. So I, I was just listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself's 713th episode. So, you know, we've got a ways to go. We do. Uh to, to catch up to those but uh anyway it's it's fun and i'm excited to talk about the trial sean we've been you know like you said this whole quadrennial talking about well it's going to lead up to what will happen at the trials who will go to the olympics and we're here so we've got lots of uh, teams to talk about lots of stories i guess for each of these teams like how does each team get uh, that olympic berth right that's right. So this is going to be the path to victory for all of the teams at the 2021 Canadian Olympic Curling Trials as part of our Super Mega Ultra Trials preview presented by the Fergus Curling Club. If you're in Fergus and you like curling, go to the Fergus Curling Club. We are fired up for this one, Scott. I'm very excited for the week of curling and for the discussion that we are about to have. Yeah, and if you've ever wanted to curl on a sheet number eight, that's not at the end, and it's only in a four-sheet club. Boom, go to Fergus. There you go. Uh, so, I, And one quick thing before we get into it. There is a bit of a change in the patch this year. They have uh, a, a branded name to it. It's going to be the original 16 patch. And Jill Officer tweeted out today she had received a, a package from AGI, which is sponsoring the trials, and it's a patch in a box. So it's got everything you need to replicate your patch experience if you can't be there in Saskatoon. The only thing missing is somebody to make you feel uncomfortable while they're on a microphone. But other than that, everything's <laughs> there to have your own patch. So I thought that was kind of a cool idea by AGI 
uh, to do that. If people aren't comfortable, if you're in Saskatoon, you're not maybe comfortable yet going into that type of an environment, or if you're anywhere else in the country, that's sort of a fun little thing. Try to recreate a patch experience as much as possible. Oh, that sounds great. And Original 16 is beer. Uh-huh. And and we're fans of beer. So there you go. <laughs> we are. Yeah. So uh, if they want to send us a patch in a box, I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah. Hey, uh, send us a box of that. <laughs> send us a box of that. So, uh, so let's get into this. The Canadian Olympic curling trials. We have nine men's teams, nine women's teams all on their way to Saskatoon to compete. The event starts on Saturday, November the 20th, wrapping up Saturday or on Sunday, November the 28th, there will be a round robin of amongst the men and amongst the women. Three teams will make the playoffs in each side. The first place finish goes automatically to the final. Second and third play in a semifinal. There is a space for tiebreakers if necessary. We know Vic is already working on that. So uh, we'll see if that actually comes to play Saturday morning or not. Uh, but Scott, overall, I would argue that this is the best event in the world. I would say even more so than the Canada Cups, even though essentially the qualification process is largely the same. But I think Mm -hmm. just having the extra stakes here makes it the most fun. I think the most pressure packed for the players, because we've seen in the past some of the players, either when they've been eliminated, just their shoulders go down and they're they're way more relaxed. And, And sometimes verbally, they will actually talk about how much pressure it is on them and and so the extra stakes to it i think that makes this a a really fun event and and i would argue again the best in the world yeah i think uh, top to bottom i you know the the european championships are getting better and you know you could make an argument but i still think top to bottom the field that they'll put together uh, for this event is like you say probably top to bottom the strongest in the world and uh, the the pressure is is a real thing i remember when the trials were here in 17 and i was a volunteer Mm -hmm. uh i I was doing ceremonies so like uh taking the players out onto the ice with their name placards uh all that stuff and we were told specifically like don't try to talk to the players too much let them be the ones to talk to you because this is such a pressure-packed event uh, a lot of these teams have been working towards this for the last four years or longer yeah and the way i experienced it most of the people were pretty nice and you know lighthearted for the most part i think there were some teams that knew they were there to gain experience and not necessarily to win sure but uh this there were some you know tense faces shall I say, around there, especially around the opening ceremonies and the first couple draws. So mm-hmm. uh, you're right, pressure-packed event for the athletes. And it, it is really the culmination uh, of four years of work. Yeah, and you have the added dynamic this year. Where this is going to be the biggest crowds that, that these players have seen in a long time. Right? There were crowds yeah. at the two slams. There have been some crowds at some of the smaller events this year, but nothing like this. Like This building is going to be full I would think every night you're going to have some pretty good afternoon draws. I think Curling Canada's done a good job too. There's no morning draw Monday or Tuesday, which are traditionally, of course, the lowest attended draws of any big event. So you you don't mm-hmm. have that issue. So they're they're going to be 
a lot of people in the building for every game. So it, it's going to be something to get used to for them. Again, not only just the you're in a pressure situation, you're going to have a lot of people there that adds energy and a certain frenetic energy to the building, but communications uh, that's going to have to readjust and get back to that loud building scenario. And Kirk mm-hmm. Myers talked with us about that when he came on earlier this fall. So there'll be a bit of an adjustment early on for these players. And this is not necessarily the place where you want to make adjustments on the fly, but whoever can do that the fastest uh, can get out to that good start. They'll be in, in good stead once we get into Monday, Tuesday, and the, the field starts to shake out as we look ahead to the playoffs. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you say, good job to stack those games a little more towards the end of the week. I, I like the way that this is shaping up. Yeah, so we will go through. Let's talk about all of the teams heading out to Saskatoon. We're going to start on the women's side, where if you have listened to our picks episode with Jonathan and Ryan, we have a, we give you a sense of where we uh, stand a bit on the women's field. But let's start with the two-time defending Canadian champion Carrie Anderson. This is actually her first time playing at a Canadian Olympic curling trials. Not so much for Val Sweeting, the third. She has skipped twice at this event, but this will be Carrie Anderson's first time here at a trials. And Scott, for them, I think the key is to just continue to bludgeon people. Uh, at the Scotties, mm-hmm. Carrie Anderson was plus 11. Uh, in the plus minus over the course of the week, which is remarkable when you play 13 games or, or 14 games, whatever she played. Val Sweeting mm-hmm. was plus five. Shannon Burchard was plus 10. Brianne Mayer was plus two, but in the lead position, you don't get that plus minus quite as much. So combined, they were a plus 28 in the position battles over the course of the week. They outscored their opponents 117 to 68. So almost two to one on the score differential just get out there and beat the hell out of people that's what they've been doing for the past three years mm-hmm. and that that's what you want to see out of them uh, you haven't seen it quite as much this year but that that's the team that can dominate and we'll see if they can do that this week yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there sean this team is so good and when when especially when carrie is on and has a good feel for draw weight mm-hmm. uh, i i guess you could say that about every skip Right. If, if every skip has their draw weight in their back pocket, they're almost unbeatable. But uh, Carrie brings so much other, uh, so many other things to the table uh, with the way she calls the game, the way she can read the read the ice and uh, make those big hits. Uh, if if she's got her draw game working for her as well, they're almost unbeatable. Uh, yeah. I I do think this team will uh, finish up there near the top of the table. Yeah, and if things go sort of according to how you might expect them, which they probably won't because they never do, if it is going to be a Holman-Anderson final, then you would think that that game in the, the during the week is going to be very important for who gets last rock in the final. Now, I will preface this mm-hmm. too by saying there's always, every single trial, there's been a team that you don't expect to be there that has made the final in either the men's or the women's it's never just lined up of like oh yeah clearly that's who are the favorites they're going to be there that has never happened at a trials and so we'll see if it happens here or not but uh, if that is the case just that, that home and anderson game during the week you, you're going to have that one circled and uh, th- that'll be a lot of fun yeah i think uh, sean the the picks episode is going out before this right it is in the feed yes it is in the feed already okay uh, so yeah, you know, I picked, uh, I picked Carrie Anderson to win, 
yeah. So we can just, uh, we're done, right? Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I think uh, what's important to, to watch with this team early on is how they're handling the nerves. Because like you said, uh, Anderson herself as a skip has never been to this event. Yeah. It's going to be a learning curve for them, especially given the way they won last year, like you said, in the bubble, no no fans. But they were able to win the year before with a bunch of fans. So, you know, uh, we'll see how they respond to that uh, atmosphere. Absolutely. Another team that'll be fun to see how they respond, that's Tracy Flurry and her team. This is Tracy Flurry's first time at a trial. She went through the pre-trials in 2013 and 2017, different lineups, of course. This year, they have been running through the field at their events. They are 30 and five on the season. They won the Oakville Labor Day Classic, the Sherwood Park Women's Classic, and the Masters before losing the final of the National. Scott, what are you seeing from this team? And, and do you think they can carry this early season momentum into the trials? Well, like you said, Sean, they are uh, very hot right now. And I think if they're able to keep that momentum, then obviously they're going to make some noise in this field. Uh, they can play with anybody, but what, what I'd caution taking too much from those uh, grand slams is that they weren't necessarily playing against the top competition all the way through. Uh, they were playing in that triple knockout, which then got to the regular sort of eight team playoff format. <laughs> yeah. They were able to go through some good teams, but it wasn't, like the full week grind kind of thing. This is a pretty young team. They're very physically fit. I'm not too worried about about them not being able to withstand the pressures, but or the the physical toll. But if you add that to the mental pressure that comes from this event, uh, you, you got to watch how they're going to react to that. Yeah. So the path that I've put for them is that they they need to forget where they are. Just treat it as another event, as, as yeah. another event as much as you can. They have Chelsea Carey and Sherry Madaw on the bench for this event. I think those are two very smart choices uh, to have. Those those two women are mm. not only great players and can offer great advice, but they're also really good media wise. So right. whenever Al comes over after a game and says, "Hey Tracy, can we talk?" She should say, "No, just take just take Chelsea or Sherry, uh, <laughs> and just take that time and just get out." Uh, of it right like don't don't be sort of so focused on it because all the questions are going to be uh one you hope that they're actually questions but they're all going to be on the subject of like what does this mean or like are you thinking about the the weekend are you thinking about what the what this could mean for you if you win this like it's all going to be big picture questions because in these scrums rarely does it come up about the intern in the fourth end Right. Yeah, it, exactly. It's going to be that bigger picture stuff. So get out of that as much as you can. Let Chelsea carry, let Sherry Madaw handle that. Uh, Cause they're, they're good enough to, and, and if like, you know, if we were there, frankly, that's who I would want to talk to uh, from mm -hmm. this team. Cause they're, they're so good at uh, sort of breaking things down like that. And then it doesn't get downloaded onto Tracy. So as much as possible, I, I think you want to lean on those two women for that. Uh, in addition to the on ice strategy. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, Tracy herself is quite good with the media, though. She's she's quite uh, photogenic and I would say like pretty charming in an interview. Yeah. But you're right. That's like a lot of extra stuff that if you can pass some of that on, uh, it's just less in your head to think about. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on to Jacqueline Harrison, her team from Ontario. This is her first time at a trials. Another rookie skip here in the field. 
Ali Flaxy who's playing third. She did skip in 2017 at this event going one and seven here in Ottawa. Scott, I think the path for this team is to get off to a hot start. You know, you wanted to play in the Canadian Olympic curling trials. Curling Canada said, okay, your first three games are against Rachel Homan, Jennifer Jones, and Carrie Anderson. Welcome to the show. Uh, so, it, you know, if you can somehow get through that unscathed, uh, th- th- you'll make the playoffs. If, if they go through that 3-0, and if, if they can somehow do that, they're in the playoffs. I, I feel comfortable saying that. I don't wouldn't expect them to go 3-0 and through that. Uh, but that is just a, a baptism by fire there early on mm-hmm. in the week. So they have to come out blazing at the start and scrounge a couple wins in, in that stretch if they can. Yeah, I would say that the path for this team is if everybody gets food poisoning, right, and can't come out on the ice to, <laughs> to compete for their games. But it's going to be like an awesome experience uh, for, for Jacqueline Harrison. She's never been to one of these big events before, never even been to the Scotties. Just, I, I would say, like, take this week and like soak it in. It's going to be just like a, a, an amazing experience. Probably the only one that you'll have. Uh, she's sort of on the on the back end of her career. Yeah. If you put everything aside, live in the moment, live in the experience. Maybe you do just sort of find something inside yourself. Go for a walk and look out over the planes or whatever like a like a john schuster did your at the john Olympics schuster and, moment yeah yeah just uh you know who knows right show <laughs> up and and don't put any pressure on yourself because i don't think anybody else is putting pressure on this team no no absolutely they uh they are they have nothing to lose here so uh they also have dave mm-hmm. mathers on the bench uh he we, of course with lynn kreviasic at the second position uh there's the connection there and of course i'm sure they'll benefit from all the the great wisdom of dave mathers so let's move on to jennifer jones her team of course from the saint vital curling club there in winnipeg scott she has made the playoffs in five of her six events this year just recently lost the final of the masters what do you expect for jennifer jones in what might be her last trials appearance well sean this is the most experienced team at the event the only team who's won a gold medal at the olympics uh the only the only team with players who have medaled yep at the olympics is that right that is correct and so i think they just lean on jen's experience they're they're gonna be fine right like you could see maybe that uh, what we've seen at the Scotties the last couple of years where they get out to a bit of a shaky start, mm-hmm. but tend to round into form by the end of the event. This team is definitely a contender for the playoff spot because you just can never count Jennifer Jones out. Am I right? No. So yeah, the path that I have for her is that she's the best ever and she should remember that she's the best ever. Mm-hmm. And the, the key, I think, is figure out what this lineup's going to be. Play the hot hand, whether it's, Weagle or it's uh, Don McEwen or frankly if that includes one of them somehow having to play second if that is in fact the case then just do it if you need to Uh, just Mm. play who play whatever the hottest lineup is and just flash back to that greatness again greatest of all time just get back to it if if you can and, and do what you're great at mix it up lots of rocks and play early and just be better than everybody else because that's what Jennifer Jones has been for so, so long. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if she can bring that back here at the trials. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that uh, sort of two-headed lead that mm. they've got uh, with Lisa and Dawn. It, 
yeah, I wonder what they'll what they'll go to. You know, I think swapping them out to keep them fresh makes a lot of sense. It's a long week. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which games they get uh put into. If yeah. any, right? Maybe Lisa doesn't play at all. I I would doubt that, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we got to see what the the strategy is with the lineup, <laughs> but you know, th- thank goodness that Kevin Martin invented the five-person team way back when so that we can see it play out here all right uh moving on scott to the defending champions of the canadian olympic curling trials that is rachel holman who is currently 18 and 9 on the season they have made the playoffs in four out of their five events of course a new look lineup from what we saw back in 2017 when they won here in ottawa joe and courtney in that lead position sarah wilkes there in the second spot in the familiar back end of Miss Q and Rachel Holman. Scott, I, my path for them is to just step on people's throats. Uh, they are so much better than everyone else on this field. Uh, I, 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 and I feel comfortable saying that, that at their best, I think they're still better than Carrie Anderson. And if they play their best and don't let teams hang around, this has always been my criticism of them, which is, I know it's weird mm-hmm. to criticize a team that is, is really, really good. Uh, one of if not the best in the world and it's a very minor thing but when they get that lead and I understand it they don't want to mix it up and and give an opportunity for a big end to the other side but they're so much better than the other teams that they could just beat them quicker like they don't have to play that open style let them hang around just step on their throat get off the ice after eight uh, and sort of shorten the week as much as you can Uh, that's what I that's when I think they're at their best that world championship in Beijing when they did that, that's what they did. They just beat yeah. the hell out of people for a week and seemed to have a lot of fun doing it. So mm-hmm. let's get into that. Just go in there, recognize that you're the best, and just go in, beat people. Don't let off the gas when you have a chance to really put them away early. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We we have talked about them letting teams hang around. Uh, I uh, we know, we all know that they have the ability to win it. We all know that uh, that. They've got the mindset to win it. Uh, we saw even last year, you know, Rachel playing uh, both before and after uh, the birth of their daughter uh, just came out and was just amazing. Like, yeah. it, so I, I don't have any doubts that the, they can do it. What might stick in the way of them getting there is the the mindset of we have to play Anderson again. She's yeah. beat us two years in a row in the Scotty's final. Yeah. But that like, might make it. That just might make it so much sweeter if they get them again. Like, I, if I think if you were to give Rachel Holman true serum, she would probably say, "Yeah, like we don't necessarily want to play Carrie Anderson in a final." But mm-hmm. if they do, like, she's going to be fired up. Like, she she she's so competitive from everything we know about her. She is so competitive yeah. that I think she would really relish the opportunity to go and just win and and, and say to all the people. And this started in 2018 in Korea. And it's really mm-hmm. continued for the past four years. There's been a lot of criticism of this team for a variety of things. It really started with the game against Denmark in Korea and the burned mm-hmm. rock controversy. And then it was the, the lineup change. And then it was losing a couple Scotty's finals. And people have, have been very critical of this team. And you know, she just wants to go out there and just shut them up. Yeah. And, and they can, right? Like yeah, they're good they're enough really to do it. They're really good. It's, it's, it's just that mental 
if it's a barrier, I don't know, but I think that's the hurdle that they have to get over. And we've seen them not be able to do it two years in a row. So, you know, I would just, I would just hope that that's something they're cognizant of and are working on uh, in the lead up to this event. Yeah. And, and again, but remember the, the last, I think five times that Rachel Holman's been at a Scotty's, she's been in the final. Like, I, yeah. I don't think she fears anybody. No, no, I wouldn't say fears. I think that this would be something, it would be interesting to talk to Adam about Adam uh, Kingsbury, how he get, would get that team focused mentally for those kinds of games. And at that time it was against Jennifer Jones, right? That, that yeah. was sort of the, the hill they had to get over. Uh, and they were able to do it. They so were. then now with uh, with Marcel Rock there as their coach, uh, who's probably a little more tactician coaching than yeah for sure uh, than sports psychology coaching. Although maybe there's there's all parts of it, but that would be sort of a interesting question to ask. I think. Yeah. All right, let's move on to maybe the sentimental favorite of this show, a team that uh, again, if you listen to our picks episode i picked to be in the final to be the disruptor it's krista mccarvel and her team from northern ontario they've had a very good start to the season record wise going 14 and 3 a couple really impressive comebacks at the pre-trials about a month ago so far in her career krista mccarvel is 10 and 8 at olympic curling trials playing in 2009 where she won the bronze and in 2017 where she went four and four missed out in 2013, having gone to the pre-trials there. Scott, we're big fans of this team. Do you agree with me that they can be a very disruptive force here in this field? Uh, definitely. Definitely think they can. The, the one thing that I would say about this team, I, I feel like I'm being the wet blanket in this uh, <laughs> podcast, but uh, they, when they play at the Scotties or they play uh, at, at a big event, which they don't do much of other than the Scotties is they, they tend to have like a slip against a bad team. I I'm not exactly sure why it just seems like in that, in the events that are a bit long, there's like one slip where that's what's costing them, you know, playing in the one, two game or losing out on getting into a tiebreaker by one game. Yeah. We saw them last year lose to uh, Nunavut, I believe. A couple of years ago, yeah. A couple uh, years ago, yeah. uh, and and so like that that kind of game is what I'd worry about for this team. Sure, uh, you know if they're going to play Jacqueline Harrison again, they beat them twice in the pre-trials, maybe three times even, because uh, I think they're in the same pool, and they they just uh, you know they they could make a stumble because they did have to come back in the game. They beat them uh, to qualify for the trials so you know you just worry about that that's like the yeah. one worry the the other the rest of it you know the the game calling the shot making they've got it all uh, it's yeah. just you worry about like one little mistake because i don't think they've got a lot of room for error frankly with the field the way it is no i i agree uh, they, they do have to really win the games that you need to win and then you're gonna have to steal a game maybe somewhere else against the the teams that you might not expect them to beat so the path that I have for them is is they can't let a tough start phase them. They have Jones-Holman to start off on mm. Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. Sunday night, they get Casey Scheidegger. And then on Monday night, they get uh, Tracy Fleury. So if they can come out of those first four, two and two, 
I think you're looking at, at, at a pretty good shape because I think five and three will get you something here uh, would be my estimate going into the week. So if you have two and two, you do have that extra game to play with. Of course, you do still have to play Anderson at that point. But if again, coming out of that two and two, you're in good shape. You're coming out of that one and three, it's, it's really going to be tough for them. Uh, so yeah. we'll really know a lot about this team by, by Monday night when we go to bed. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right on that. All right, uh, let's move on. Another rookie skip in these trials. It is Kelsey Rock. They are 18 and 13 so far on the season, having gone through the pre, pre-trials to get to the trials here in Saskatoon. They have Stephanie Lawton and Beth Iskew on the bench with them. So tons mm. of experience on the bench, not as much on the ice. So the path that I have for them is to keep it low scoring. Uh, if you look at their wins so far this season, the vast majority of them they have is when they keep the opponents under five points. Uh, when they give up more than five, they tend to lose. Now that sort of just stands to reason. You, you, you let the other mm. team score less, you're going to win more games. But that number of four below for the other team, and those are in eight end games, they're able to win. So if you can do that here, keep teams to four below, uh, that's that's what you're going to try to do. A best strategy to do that, I think, would be to keep it open. Don't be scared of some blank ends. And I would say, too, that it would be good for Kelsey to maybe let Dana Ferguson and Rochelle Brown lead the team a little bit. Uh, let mm-hmm. them be the front face of this. Let them do the interviews. Obviously, Kelsey Rock, call the game. Do, do all that on the ice. Uh, Kelsey Rock's the leader. But maybe follow their lead. They've been here before. They, they've been around all this. Uh, they know the pressure. Well, I don't know if they know pressure because <laughs> they seem relaxed all the yeah, time. Yeah, you, you would never, you would never know if they feel any sense of pressure. But kind of like use them, use Stephanie Lott and use Beth Iskew to to guide you forward uh, through this week. I, I think that is the path for Kelsey Rock. And and again, four and four, five and three, certainly not out of the realm of possibility given the level of talent that they have. Yeah. I- that's basically what I was going to say, Sean. Lean on your front end. They, they're they the ones with the experience. They've been there. Uh, they do seem to take pressure well. I think uh, I was just thinking of a water off a duck's back, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. We're here. And they, they are really good at embracing the moment and feeling like just happy about yeah. curling, right? They, they yeah. like curling. And so if Kelsey and Danielle can take that vibe uh from them you know they, yep. yeah they can they can for sure win i you know like the blue jays have good vibes they talk about dugout yeah. dugout vibes all the time then yeah this team i think has good vibes so just yeah. ride those good vibes yep if rochelle and dana are dancing before draws it's a good sign for sure yeah all right uh, let's move on to casey scheidegger she makes her return to the national stage after a year away from the spotlights uh she was off uh doing other things in her life and so it'd be exciting to see casey back on the ice second time at the olympic curling trials for her went three and five back in 2017 again a lot of experience on the bench for this team susan o'connor of course the third for cheryl bernard back in 2009 and the great joan mccusker is also there as the coach so a, a lot of olympic experience here with Casey Scheidegger. They are 18 and nine so far on the season. Scott, what are you seeing from them and how do you stack up their chances? Well, so they went to the uh, direct entry event here in Ottawa, uh, went three and one there against a pretty good field. Yeah. So, you know, you got to like 
that. We we didn't see a lot of them the last couple of years because, as you said, uh, Casey was uh, not playing. So, uh, yeah, I want to see if they can carry that over to this event. Uh, they've got all the talent. They were a big hit in 2017. I think that, that was sort of their coming out party yeah. on the national scene, right? Uh, they had a, a good game against Holman, I think. And so, yeah, Holman beat them on a last rock. And yeah. A, a last rock, like a, a run back type shot, a pretty crazy shot. Yeah. And that was sort of like Casey Scheidegger's here because she had never played in the Scotties before. It's played in a couple since. But yeah, that was mm-hmm. the first time that a lot of, of fans who don't pay attention necessarily to the week to week, smaller spiel stuff really got a look at that team yeah so they came in and and i think they finished let me look here they finished three and five at that event but i think they were three and one at one point hmm. uh or or they were near the top of the standings and everybody was like oh who's this team uh and and so they've got the experienced lead at chris with christy moore uh and and sort of have built up quite a, a good resume over the last four years i i don't think that I think that like not playing as much really holds them back from being in conversation with some of the other teams that are in this field. They, they could be, I think if they played more, but you know, they've prioritized the things in their life the way that they have. And uh, you know, they're going to the Olympic trials, so they're doing fine. Uh, But I think, I think that is the one little thing that separates them from the teams at the top of this field. Yeah, I agree. And so my path for them this week is to keep play away from the button. Uh, Their steal efficiency is 0.3. And Hmm. this is sort of anecdotal in my head, but I do remember them being more successful when they keep things to the side. Don't, Don't let the other team, especially when you have the hammer, of course, don't let the other team mix it up in the middle. Really force play to the side. Give Casey a shot. And I would say give Casey a shot on her out turn too. Uh, that, that just make mm-hmm. it make it so that there there's going to be an easy path for you to score all the time. Uh, so really try to focus on that and, and keep things to again with the way I would look at it, the right side of the sheet. But either side of the sheet is fine. Uh, just make sure that that button area is wide open once you get late into an end when you have the hammer. And, and I realize that's kind of a universal fact, but I think it's more important for this team than maybe some of the others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, the final team on the women's side, it is Laura Walker. Again, a rookie skip in this trials field. She has played in the pre-trials twice in 13 and 17, but this is her first time in. Scott, the path for this team is to just treat this as a completely new season. They have not had the greatest of years so far, 18 and 16. Qualified for this through the pre-pre-trials, but only went three and three there. So forget everything that's come before this. Just get back to that same mojo of the Scotties, that same head shake on back attitude. That's what we want to see from Laura Walker. They start with Casey Scheidegger and then Kelsey Rock. Uh, Not that those are easy games, but those aren't the top teams in this field. So if you can come out, get into it, win those games that you're going to need to win to get into the playoffs here. Just get the ball rolling and and try to treat it like a, a snowball effect going downhill. So get off to that good start. Get that mojo back. Get that real winning attitude back that they seem to have lost a little early in the season. And uh, we've seen them at the Scotties last year that they can they can hang with anybody in the field. Yeah, for sure. And for this team, I really think that as goes Kate Cameron, so goes the team. Right. Uh, if if Kate Cameron is on and making 
the shots for Laura that much easier, then this team can beat anybody in the field. Uh, it's it's when things get a little little cluttered, a little too complicated that, uh, you know, uh, how are we going to score here? You, you don't want to hear them saying that uh, in early in the week. So so that's what I'd say is the key to them. Uh, good Kate Cameron equals good team Walker. Those are the nine women's teams in the field. Again, if you want to see our picks, check out the episode that we did with Jonathan and Ryan on the bad beer bet, or I will also post them on gamestonespod.com. So Scott, let's shift over to the men's field. Again, nine teams heading to Saskatoon. And let's start with the defending Briar champion, Brendan Botcher. Second appearance at the trials, four and four back in 2017. Scott, the path that I have for them is, again, maybe a bit of a universal things, but still, I, I want to stress it for this team. Don't let the other team score. At the Briar, they had 28 ends where they scored a multiple, only had 13 ends against where they gave up a multiple. That is an incredible split mm-hmm. uh, of you scoring those multiples compared to your opponent. In their wins, they only gave up 3.9 points against in that Briar victory. And this is going to be a defensive event. We see it all the time with yeah. the trials, especially on the men's side, that these guys are somewhat reluctant to mix it up and so good at removing stones. This is going to be a low-scoring event. And Brendan Botcher, if they can can really maximize their defense, take advantage of the opportunities when they get them, uh, we've seen it, of course, for four straight years that that they can get into finals. So, uh, but I do think that is the strategy for them is to try to keep the scoring lower than maybe you might expect in a normal event. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, thought for this team. And something I was thinking about is that the the a diversity that they faced at the World Championship, you know, finishing whatever nine and five like yeah but still finishing uh you know in the playoffs but sort of the conversation that came up around that i think was a good thing for this team they relatively easy i would say the last uh, the, the three briars before that they you know got through and lost finals yeah but the, after winning finally pushing through and winning then they get, they faced up against oh this is not so easy right I I'm not not saying it's easy but they just looked they made it look easy you know going through those fields and that adversity they faced some of the media pressure that they had I think will help them for this event uh, because they've got that experience with it so that you know if they do stub their toe coming out the gate they'll be a little bit better able to deal with it than maybe they would have otherwise yeah and I think they benefit too of being the briar champion but not being the favorite like most people here and, and we certainly heard mm-hmm. it from ryan and jonathan they're looking at Kui and gushu so despite the fact that they've more, made four straight finals they are the defending national champion they're under the radar somewhat or are somewhat being underestimated a little bit amongst the fandom and, and that's an interesting spot for you to be in when you've had the amount of success that they have in this quad so it'll be curious kind of to see how, how they respond to it. I might push back a little bit on it being easy in those those briars. I mean, in 2019, they were the wild card team and did have to come through that. So uh, the, the last two, though, they have really dominated the field. Five combined losses in the last two briars. 
Uh, yeah. So really, really great performances from them. So I think if if anyone is going into this saying Gushu bot or Gushu Kui and it, everyone else, like I don't I don't see it. So don't be surprised to see them on Sunday night being victorious because they're that good. Yeah, I, I do put them sort of up there in that same tier with the Kui and Gushu. Yeah, so let's talk about another team that's trying to get into that tier. This is the lone Saskatchewan-based team of the 18 who are participating. It's Matt Dunstone and his team. Matt Dunstone, the only non-Saskatchewan original on this team. He's uh, mm-hmm. from Winnipeg. The other three are from Saskatchewan, though. The t- this this place is going to be hopping when they are on the ice. Matt Dunstone did play back in 2017, throwing four stones for Steve Laycock. They went two and six in that event. Scott, my path for them is to forget where this is. Uh, the crowd is going to go boncos for them uh, whenever they make a good shot. So I, I really hope they're wearing green. Like, I really, really hope that they got yeah. the green jerseys. Uh, the key, I think, for them is, is one, to set that aside. Don't let the crowd kind of rile you up. Make sure you have a shot. At the end of the game, they went nine and four at the Briar last year, including the semifinal loss. They were only plus 12 on the point differential. So they play a lot of close games. We've seen it the past two years at the Briar, where Dunstone has had to make a couple of hero shots at the end to, to get some wins. So just make sure you are in that position to give him a shot at the end of the game. And then the other thing I noted here is that this is your time, Adam Kingsbury. You mentioned him with Rachel Holman. Earn your mm-hmm. spot, Adam Kingsbury. Uh, this is where your work, and I realize there's not much you can do during the week. Like all of all of the work that Adam Kingsbury would be doing with this team is done at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. but this is where we see the fruits of all that hard work that we know Adam Kingsbury has put in. And we've had a chance to talk to him. Uh, he's, he, he lives in Ottawa. He plays at the same uh, curling club that we do. So we've had a chance to talk to him a couple times around the club. So we have a sense of the amount of work that he puts in with these guys and that the guys put in with him as well. Uh, and this is where we'll see the, the fruits of that. And, and does it all come together for them to make a big run in a building that's squarely behind them uh, with a lot of pressure? Can they do it? I think they can. I picked them to be in the final. Uh, I'm very optimistic about this team. But Scott, where do you land on them? Well, Sean, I also picked them to be in the final. So I am also also very optimistic on this team. And and you say they need to forget where they are. I think they need to embrace that. Mm. Embrace the love, you know, play up to the camera a little bit. Uh, Matt is a guy who's not afraid to show his emotions, good or bad, out on the ice. Sort of feed off of the energy of the crowd. And I think Adam is... Uh, going to do a good job of not letting that turn into pressure right but sort of fuel it into motivation and uh a little bit of adrenaline on some of the the shots where you need it Uh, maybe for the sweepers more the adrenaline would help but just yeah feed off the energy of the crowd and soak it in like really appreciate being the the home team at an event like this because we saw Rachel Holman do it in Ottawa in 2017. I, I'd like to see them do it here. It'd be a lot year. of fun. It would be a lot of fun. No question about it. And yeah, if you could do it, like Jacobs did it really well in 2013 that mm-hmm. he kind exactly. of became a de facto home team 
Uh, the crowd was really behind him as the underdog. Uh, and he he did that perfectly. Like that that's the example of yeah, buying into the crowd, playing with the crowd, uh, recognizing they're behind you, and totally using them to your advantage. So yeah, if they mm-hmm. can do that, then absolutely great. But my fear is I, you, you just don't want them to get maybe baited into big shots because the crowd is buzzing about a long run when for like three, like a double run, triple takeout for three when there's an open draw for one. Like you, that that's the fear, right? Like okay. stay stay yeah. within the game. Yeah, that's that's fair, and that's where I think uh, their experience in Adam will really yeah. help. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Jason Gunlickson. His second appearance at a trials uh, went probably the best zero and seven in trials history back in two thousand and nine. Somehow, Scott Adam Casey has played for every province in this country in a briar, and yet this is his first time at a trials. Believe it or not, so that's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, that that is a little bit hard to believe, especially because he played with Brad Gushu for a while. But maybe uh... that was in the Gushu dark days, twenty thirteen, uh, uh, yes. when uh, they went to the pre-trials and didn't get through. When Mark left him, yes, and uh, yeah. so it was Casey and a very young Brett Gallant at that point. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, not not the team that it, that it is now. But Scott. What do you expect for Gunlickson and his team? They, of course, were at the pre-pre-trials, didn't get through there, went to the pre-trials, and were able to make it through on a, a last rock drop by Jason Gunlickson to win that game. So where do you think they match up as we assess the field? Yeah, I think they're sort of a, a wrench in the field. You know, uh, They've got that experience at the second position from Matt Wozniak. I uh, played with Mike McEwen for a long time. And Jason we saw him at the pre-trials really embracing scoring. (laughs) It it sounds silly to say that, but they scored a lot of points, especially considered considering how, you know, we usually think of team Gunlickson as a blank, 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 uh, score one win. Right. They, they sort of, it, it seemed like they shifted their focus a bit more, away from preventing scoring and towards actually scoring themselves. Right. And that was very successful. So we'll see if they just take that approach and go with it. You know, Jason's a guy who loves the numbers. So if the numbers are showing you that this approach is working the way that it did in that pre-trials, I would say keep going with it. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you here. The path that I have for them is to get the hammer and to hold the hammer because they're good enough to do that. And take, but do take the opportunities when you get them. I, I just, you don't want them to force anything. Uh, of all the skips in this field, he, he can certainly bail himself out with a draw at the end of a, an end when you have the hammer and all you're facing for. But out of the nine, you might put him a little lower in the rankings of who you would want to make that draw. So make sure that you are giving yourself uh, good chances. You're not getting too enamored with the big run back shot early in the end. Again, they're so good at removing stones that if you need to bail, bail when you like, just do it. Like the success that you had at the pre-trials was certainly great. And I, I don't oppose the idea of maintaining that strategy throughout the trials, but recognize that when you need to bail do it as early as you can and and just don't get too enamored with the hero shot because uh, that i think is where the team has gotten in trouble before and again if he does need to win a game one nothing he can yeah but it, the 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 way to think of it from my that i'm thinking about it i guess is that if you do mix it up a little bit more 
and you have to play a draw in the second end yeah. better to do it then than to have to do like have to make one shot that you haven't thrown all game in a spot your sweepers don't know because you've just been peeling stuff the whole time yeah that's so true. Uh, so i think you can live with giving up two in the second uh, or a steal of one or whatever in the second end so that you have the experience or the yeah, I guess experience down the line to be able to throw the same shot in the 10th end when the game's on the line. Sure. I, I think that's fair. So, uh, Scott, let's talk about another team that uh, can be a little up and down on occasion. That is John Epping, his team from Toronto. Not a great season so far for them. They are 14 and 18 on the season, one and six in the two slams. John Epping himself has struggled in his two previous trials appearances as a skip. He is 3-12 and 12 as a skip. He also played in 2009. He was the second for Wayne Madaw. That team went 2-5. and five. So John Epping is 5-17 and 17 in games that he has played at Olympic Curling Trials. He, of course, will be trying to reverse that trend. He has brought on Glenn Howard to be the fifth-slash-coach on this team, although Glenn Howard did tweet today that his flight from Toronto got all the way to Winnipeg and then turned around. <laughs> had oh, to no. go back uh, so nobody wants glenn howard to go to the olympics apparently uh so uh or at least air canada doesn't seem to want that uh hopefully glenn can get there uh, safely without any issues uh, later in the week uh but i think that's a really good addition to them scott i think the path for them is to keep it simple i think ryan fry i think this is actually the best version of ryan fry we've ever seen which i know is strange given that he's won a gold medal at the Olympic Games, but I, I do think mm-hmm. this is the best version of him with John Epping. Uh, being able to keep John Epping in check, John loves the hero shot. Uh, you know, he's very open about how he can play great, play not great day to day. It's sort of up in the air. And I think Ryan Fry, what we've seen, has done a really good job of recognizing that and keeping John Epping within reasonable shots uh, and knowing when to let him call the crazy one, when to maybe reel him in a little bit. So my, my thing for them is keep it simple. They only had 15 blanks in their games in the briar. Epping himself had five pluses and three minuses, and that kind of represents that up and down-ness yeah. of a John, the John Epping experience. So that's kind of my path for them. Scott, what do you think would possibly give them an opportunity to be standing tall at the end of the week? Well, Sean, first of all, I thought these were in alphabetical order and the last time I checked Gunlickson is after Epping. So, you know, just a, maybe a note for the, the media guide uh, <laughs> compiler about the team. You're, you're bang on. It's if, if John is on fire, this team can beat anybody. Uh, we saw it at the Canada cup that they won in 2019. Yeah. Uh, th- they're definitely good enough where their weakness is, is, when John is up and down and that's, I, I don't think you have to look too much farther to see where the success of this team is going to come from. Just look at how John's shooting. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah that's uh, that's going to be the key uh, for them is, is looking at John. Uh, and I, I don't know. I I'm curious. I, I do wonder like the fact that they've struggled all year, how much will that play a factor especially in the big games, the TV games, or have they been using that to try things, which we've seen in the past? Like how much can you take of those results? Or or were they going in there saying, hey, let's try this thing. If it doesn't work, who cares? Uh, You know, that's kind of going to be curious to see 
uh, sort of how they've treated the season up to that point, whether or not you can take that 18 or 14 and 18 seriously. Right, right. All right, let's move on to Brad Gushu, the 2006 Olympic gold medalist. He is back for more here in 2021 at the trials. Just recently won the national, which I don't really like, uh, given what we talked about earlier in mm-hmm. this, uh, earlier in the fall, about how slam results could pour, could uh, preview uh, results at the trials. But we'll see. And Scott, the path that I have for them, uh, it's one person. It's Mark Nichols, and and I, I have a question for you: mm-hmm. Is Mark Nichols the most important person in the field? Uh, men or women, uh, is he the most important player of everybody in Saskatoon? I, you, it, it's definitely going to be a third. Yeah, and it, it, I'd say it's between him and Emma Miskew. Okay, but yeah. but yeah, like if Mark Nichols is on, and he and Brad are really in sync, um, yeah, he 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 can just set up the end so well for Brad for his last two shots, he can clean up messes, you know, not that the front end gets into too many, uh, but he can do it. And he's just so level headed and calm the whole time doing it Mm -hmm. that, uh, we talked about it a a little bit earlier that Brad Gucci's dark days were without Mark Nichols. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, Mark Nichols is probably the key to this team. We do see Brett, being the one consulting with Brad on strategy more yeah. than Mark. Uh, it's sort of Brad and, and Brett talking at, at the other end and Mark just, okay, I'll throw whatever <laughs> and throw it perfectly and make it. So uh, I, I, you know, if you listen to our preview, I did pick a uh, team Gushu to win. I think this would be sort of the, the cherry on the top of Brad Gushu's already uh, illustrious career. Uh, for them to go to the Olympics, hopefully win a gold medal for Canada, a second gold medal, and then just, you know, turn around and say, all right, uh, we're, d- we're done. We've done a lot. It's been nice. We're the best curlers ever. But. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see, uh, to see if that's what they do. Somewhat curiously for this team, Scott, uh, if you believe in sort of the kismet nature of things, Jeff Walker's birthday is November the 28th. Ooh, just saying, uh, hmm. you know, birthday hmm. present, uh, final of the, the trials. We'll see. We'll see. I like that. I like if, that. If you believe in it, let's move on to a uh, rookie skip, uh, the least experienced team in the field. It is Tanner Horgan. They are 24 and 14 on the season. A bit of a surprise coming out of the pre trials last month. This will be a lot of fun to see them there. This of course, Jonathan Buke's team, with the great West Forget and his giant backswing, throwing the big weight that everyone fell in love with a couple years ago at the Briar in Kingston. Scott, what is your expectation for Tanner Horgan? And do you think they can hang with this field for a full week? No, I don't. Uh, Tanner Horgan is an amazing player. Uh, He can make all the shots. What with the team lacks is is the experience right uh and going into a huge event like this uh, we talked about it with you know Jacqueline Harrison's team maybe just embrace it enjoy it soak it in take everything you can from it and you know for the rest of the team who are 
uh, in their thirties. I think, I think Wes is only, Wes yeah, is he's only 30. Yeah. Uh, but f- for this team, if they want to stay together, use this as sort of a, a litmus test event for how you deal with the pressure. Yeah. Right. Cause it's going to be new for all of them. Uh, and, and just, yeah, get, get a feeling for how you really work as a team because they haven't been together very long. This is Scott McDonald's old team with Tanner Horgan skipping now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, we saw them get to the Briar, get to the championship pool when they were there, but uh, not much else. So I, I think that they have everything there to win. If you're going to pick a team out of nowhere to, to come in and do well at this event, a la Brad Jacobs in 2013, uh, this could be the team, right? So yep. maybe look to that for their path to victory. Yeah, no, I, I agree with with all that. Uh, and I'll just correct myself. It was 2019 in Brandon when uh, everyone fell in love with uh, this team representing Ontario. I think mm-hmm. that the path that I have for them is to junk it up, is to mix it up. You're playing with house money, the, these four guys. They have nothing to lose in this event. Don't let the other teams dictate the games. They're going to probably want to play pretty conservatively. Just don't let them. Try to mm-hmm. throw them off and throw them off their game. Uh, throw up a lot of guards, lots of lots of rocks in play. Just see what happens. Uh, that would be my advice to this team because I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of success playing it wide open against these teams. So just go in there, throw them off, have fun, do your thing, and uh, see see where you stand come Friday. Yeah, and uh, Sean, the other night at the curling club uh, in the locker room, I heard somebody say, "Hey, I told West to put on his uh, curling trials badge on his jacket tonight, <laughs> just to throw off the other team." Because uh, <laughs> yeah, West was there playing. So uh, yeah, it's it'll be fun to watch uh, somebody who's a member at our club to you know be there and root them on. Yeah, it's simultaneously the most absurd and greatest thing about this sport is that two days ago. We were playing in the same <laughs> level of event as West Forget. Uh, and three days from now, he'll be playing for an opportunity to go to the Olympic Games. Yeah, that's the great thing of curling, right? Yeah, I played against him uh, while you were gone. So like three weeks ago, he was the third. I was the third. I played literally like the position against West Forget. Uh, the result was, uh, you know, we don't want to embarrass Wes on the show, but you know, uh, <laughs> the result was what the result was and, uh, which was no, uh, he out, he outplayed me. Uh, it was a skips win uh, on our side. So, uh, but it, it is kind of cool and absurd all at the same time. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very like it's cool. one thing in golf, right? Okay. You can go golfing and no, oh, look, like there's, there's a professional golfer at that course or like in a pro am like, that's cool, but you're not like competing with, like, it's still, it's. It's not the same, you know, like in curling, you're playing the same game uh, or yeah. could potentially be. And it's very strange. So, uh, Scott, let's move on to another team that uh, would certainly outplay me if I was playing against them. Kevin Cooey, the defending champion skip from 2017. He is making his return to the trials 22 and 10 on the season so far scott the path that i have for this team is just make sure that you have enough time for kevin cooey to throw 20 rocks in the game if you do that you're (laughs) gonna win a lot yeah uh this team uh they can let the clock run down yeah uh, quite a bit yeah so yeah they need to make sure that 
I, I'd say make sure that Kevin is comfortable with the shot that he's going to throw at the end. Yeah. Uh, most of the time he is, but uh, where they could get into trouble is, you know, maybe John talking him into something that he doesn't really see or doesn't really fully believe in. Yeah. And, or even just talking too much, right? Yeah. John loves, uh, John loves the sport more than oxygen. I think, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you said to John Morris, like, we're going to take away all the oxygen in the world, or we're going to take away curling. He'd be like, mm, no, no, curling. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah. he's, you know, he just loves the sport so much, but that on occasion can lead to over discussions. Like they can take two extra minutes to get to the shot that they had already called. So yeah, that that's yeah. the concern, right? Uh, so just, you know, managing that clock a little more effectively than we've seen in the past. All four of them can make all the shots they need to make uh, unless it's a Ben Hebert intern, then, you know, <laughs> uh, hit and miss. <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know, they're all so, so good. This is uh, uh, one of these cases where you just don't get in your own way and let Kevin Cooey be Kevin Cooey and uh, win the event for you. Yeah. For sure. Uh, do we have confirmation? I thought they went back to uh, BJ in the house at the beginning of this year, or or is it going to be John as the second in the house holding the broom? Uh, so they have it listed here as actually yeah, BJ as the third and John as the second. Okay, that's what's listed. So, but but yeah, you. I think they would had thrown those positions, but then John was in the house. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody out there listening can uh, let us know. That'd be great. All right, uh, Scott, let's move on to a team that uh, somehow is not really on the radar. Somehow, despite the fact that they're the only team in the field with four players who have Olympic gold medals to their credit. That Mm -hmm. is, of course, Brad Jacobs. They are 23 and 7 on the season. Uh, Recently appeared in the final of the Masters, losing to Bruce Mowat. Only team, as I said, in the field. with the four gold medalists and yet no real discussion around them. Scott, uh, what do you think they have to do to give themselves a chance come next weekend? Well, we were talking about uh, Mark Nichols being the most important person in this event. And it might be Mark Kennedy, uh, right? We saw this team really come together when Mark joined them originally Uh, a, a little bit rougher the last couple of briars. Uh, since that happened, but, you know, like you say, they've all got gold medals. They all know what it takes. They have seemed a little more chill (laughs) the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, age will do that to you. Age will do that to you. And some of them have kids now, so it'll be, you know, if they can just like, I, I, I guess I've said this three times, but embrace the moment. They know what it takes. They're not being talked about, right? So they don't have the pressure that they had in 2017. Yep. They just come out, win. Just yeah. play the way they can play, win, uh, one, ga- one game at a time. And at the end of the week, if they look up and they're in the playoffs, yeah, uh, great. We've got a chance to win against uh, everybody in this field. We, we know we can beat them. Yeah, and I think the experience of 2017 will be beneficial to Brad Jacobs. They had a lot of mm-hmm. pressure going into that event. He he struggled with not only the ice and playing, but I think he struggled with that, the expectation on him. I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. He a, a, After one of the ends, he missed a shot. He had 
uh, a bit of a fit over it. Uh, you could see in the building, they didn't show it on TV, which I think is a good thing. They didn't show it on TV uh, where he, he kind of went to the scoreboard and, and really kind of lost it uh, for, for five, 10 seconds. So having that experience and having gone through that and being able to come out of that, as you say, a more chill team, I think that is a, a good thing for them. I love the Mark Kennedy edition for so many reasons for this team. And so the path that I have for them actually is to dominate the soft stuff, to dominate the soft game. So mm-hmm. I would, for them, I'd like to see them try longer guards rather than those tight ones, maybe halfway or even high guards sometimes to make the runs harder, the, the big, long, a big weight run back shots, make those more difficult for the other teams. Because I think Jacobs and Kennedy are the best back end in this field with the back line to board weights. Uh, the two of them, Mark, Mark Kennedy's a robot. Uh, on those. Mm-hmm. And I think Jacobs has that in his back pocket more so even sometimes than draw weight. So if you can turn this into not a run back game, once you get into the back end, I think you want the Hardens, uh, especially EJ, of course, playing run backs when you can to, to make the, the end easier. But once you get late in the end, if you can turn it into that back line to board weight game, I think they're the best back end in the, the field doing that. I think that gives them a real advantage over everybody else. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, but you're right. Trying to limit what the other teams do well is a really good strategy for this team. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. All right, so let's move on. Final team in the field in Saskatoon. It is Mike McEwen. He, of course, lost the final in 2017, as Vic devastatingly said that it was an opportunity they may never get again. Uh, 22 <laughs> and 14 so far this season as they try to get that opportunity again. Of course, Mike McEwen, the only person on this team who is uh, in that game. Scott, what do you think of this team? There's been so many ups and downs with the McCruthers side over the past four years. Will they make it all worth it here in Saskatoon? A lot of ups and downs. You're right for this team. Uh, we saw the best version of this team in 2020 at the Briar mm-hmm. when Reed was sort of playing traffic cop between the front end yeah. and Mike. Uh, if he serves as the conduit and can still be an effective player himself, like we see sometimes, uh, maybe Megan would would say that she's like that on our team. Uh, if she's mediating <laughs> between the front end and the back end, it, it affects her ability to, to be a good player. Sure. And, and so for Reed, I think that'll, it'll be how he handles it. I think they have the skill to do it, but the, it, it's hard to believe, right? Given what we've seen, uh, given what we've seen over the last uh, few years from this team, they're, they're a Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. And yeah, so the path that I have for them is to trust Mike McEwen. Mike McEwen's really good, uh, mm. both as a strategist and a shot maker. He's, he's great. And uh, I think, as you say, Reed Crothers is the key to having the team trust in what Mike McEwen is thinking, what the shots he wants to play. And, you know, I I don't want to turn too much into Jocelyn Peterman and Laney Peters, but basically whenever I think of this team, all I think is like, trust it, Chels. And trust it, yeah. You know, just just trust Mike McEwen. And uh, conversation can be good, uh, but there are times where it can go a little too far. I think, especially from a front end and as you know, as someone who who believes strongly that the front end is there to play front end and not to be the skip that, uh, you know, that that's where I think you can get into trouble sometimes. And uh, just let Mike McEwen do Mike McEwen things and you'll be fine. 
so that's what I'd like to see. And, you, and you're right that, you know, at the pre-pre trials in the game that I watched them play against Colton Flash, I couldn't hear everything, but there was a lot of discussion out there. And Reed actually struggled in that game. He missed some uncharacteristic shots. And I mean, it's the first game. It had been raining all day. The ice was terrible uh, for that first drive. It, it got good later in the week. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors in it, but you, you want Reed Carruthers being at his best. And I think the best way is to try to minimize how much of a traffic cop he needs to be. So, uh, but again, going back to that 2020 Briar, so impressive uh, when he was just like, just let's let Mike call the shot. And uh, again, if they can do more of that, I, I think they have a good chance here. Or a Absolutely. chance. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think their their chance is to, you know, go five and three, end up in that uh, semifinal or tiebreaker and then just get hot. Yeah. Yeah. And don't let anything snowball on you, right? You know, don't don't yeah, let a loss, yeah. don't let a bad shot kind of snowball. Again, that that uh, final in Manitoba in 2020, we saw kind of snowball on them. Uh, sort of they, they were struggling with the ice and, and it was kind of a tough slog for them at that point. So don't let that happen. You know, just uh, mm-hmm. keep it up. Keep 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 the positive vibes going and, and keep good chatter throughout the course of a game. And uh, you guys are certainly talented enough to win this event. So there you have it. That's 18 teams who are in Saskatoon and a path to victory for all 18 of them as, as we see it here on the show. Do you disagree with us? Well, you can certainly reach out and let us know and we'll all know in just over a week and a half who will stand tall and put on the jackets representing Canada at the 2022 Olympic Games in Beijing. Scott, is there anything else that you want to or that you're going to be looking out for over the course of the week? Yeah, uh, I, I'm excited to watch curling on TV again. Uh, I took the week off from work. Okay. Uh, next week. So I, I will be away the first weekend. But once I get home, boom, it's going to be wall to wall curling for me. So it'd be nice to get it back on our TV. The one thing, Sean, that I think we all are wanting to know about is which teams are going to pick which jersey colors. Yeah. That's that's the one. Uh, I think you tweeted today, the number one pick has to be green, right? Because you're going to be in Saskatchewan. I think it has to be. If, if In the past, what they've done is based on ranking, you get to pick. So whoever's ranked first gets to pick of all the jersey colors. I think you kind of got to take it. The The only exception would be if there's a white with a red trim, then okay. Mm. Right. You want that sort of vibe to it, but you're in Saskatchewan. I think you got to, I think you have to take green. Although team Gushu did tweet that uh, they're going to wear orange. Well, they uh, they're going to wear orange. They didn't confirm it, but they pretty much confirmed it, that they're going to wear orange because back in 2005, yeah. They were the last pick, and the last pick usually gets the orange, and that's what they wore. And uh, the the trials victory was done in what Mark Nichols has described as ugly orange. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking of that. Uh, and Brad Gushu, I think he owns an orange. He owns an orange therapy, yeah. Orange therapy gym, yeah. So, you know, the the orange mojo is uh, is there. Plus uh, Jeff's birthday. Boy, I'm liking my pick more and more. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be fun to uh, to watch it all along. Draw times are 9, 2, and 7 o'clock local time there in Saskatchewan, which is central time. Now that the time has changed everywhere else, 
Uh, of course, they do not change their clocks in Saskatchewan. Very progressive folks out there on the prairies. So uh, you can figure out the time in your time zone. TSN has wall-to-wall coverage of this event. And as I mentioned on our picks preview episode, TSN is also going to be airing some of the Euro games around the trial. So there is a lot of curling uh, going on, on on TSN here in Canada. Uh, and of course, for those of you in the USA, I believe ESPN Plus will be having these games uh, as their normal agreement with Curling Canada. So it should be a lot of fun, including, Scott, what we're going to do is we're bringing back the broomstick. That's right. After every afternoon draw of the Curling Trials, we will be alongside to talk about all the goings on from Saskatoon with a special guest each each day, uh, including our buddy Dean, who is going to be on the scene giving us all the updates from the arena and we'll have other special guests joining us uh so we will tweet out links to that as we go through the week it'll be on our facebook page facebook.com slash game of stones podcast scott are you excited to bring back the broomstack i'm pretty excited yeah uh like i said i won't be there for the first weekend uh but after that should be able to come to most of them and yeah excited to interact with the fans again you know, talk about actual games that matter <laughs> towards <laughs> something other than a grand slam. Yeah. I, I think it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it should be very grand. So do head on over to facebook.com slash game of stones podcast. That's where you can find it all. We will also tweet out the links and, and do some Instagram stuff over the course of the week. So do follow along. It is at game of stones pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want us to even email you the links, we can do that too. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be posting some best of the broomstick over the course of the week. So do subscribe here on the feed if you have not yet and do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff to help other people find the show. And if you have friends who are looking for some curling content as the Olympics approach, you can feel free to send them our way. We always love those referrals. A lot of great curling content out there. So if you like this, particular show uh do feel free to uh or we would appreciate uh, uh those recommendations they certainly do help us out so with that scott we did it super mega ultra trials preview brought to you by the fergus curling club that was fun yeah that was a lot of fun uh and now all that's left is to watch the games yep now nah, that's it we got uh, thousands of rocks to be played, and we will have Olympic reps. So that's it for us. We will talk to you during the trials. Enjoy the games, everybody. And until we speak again, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.